back to another episode of The Piano Pod. I am Eric Hunter. I'm Yukimi Song. I'm Clara Joe. The Piano Pod is a monthly podcast where we interview some of the brightest talent in the industry. Each episode features a guest speaker who is making bold new innovations that may change the way we play or teach piano. Our guest of last episode was Mike Grande, who is a creator of the pioneering video conferencing platform called Rock Out Loud Live, which could reshape the way virtual music lessons are taught. If you're teaching or taking music lessons online right now, you should definitely check it out and let us know what you think. If you want to find out more about us and why we started this podcast, we have an introductory video on our YouTube channel and the SoundCloud channel, uh, where you can also catch up on the previous episodes. The links are in the description below. Today, our guest is Chantal Balestri, a performer, teacher, and organizer extraordinaire. Chantal, how are you doing today? Hello, Eric. Hello, everyone. Thank you. Hi. So- thank you so Hi. much for so joining. Thank you. So Chantal is zooming in today all the way from Italy, where she has been living since the beginning of the pandemic. Well, beginning for Americans, basically since March, right? Um, prior to that, she was in New York City here with the rest of us. And we will get to the story of how she ended up back in Italy um, a little bit later. But first, Chantal, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yes. So hello everyone again. So I'm a pianist. So I have a career as a performer. I am a teacher. I teach in different institutions, even uh, even now in New York, but also in uh, in Italy right now. And uh, I am also an organizer, uh, promoter, manager of uh, musical events. In fact, I have my own festival. Wonderful, wonderful. Thanks. So um, now that you're back in Italy. What's life like there? I'm sure it's a big change, right? That's a very good question. I mean, things are changing all the time and I'm not just saying that because of the situation, but because it's really like that. Actually, a few days ago, uh, we were having again a normal life, kind of normal life, of course, with masks, paying attention to all the measures we need to, to, to do now, right now. And, but the thing that changed a lot is the close the theaters. So, again, we are in the situation like in the United States in which we cannot have concerts anymore. And we were like, you know, people were already going back to have concerts or going to concerts <laughs> like, like before and now. Uh, no, anymore. So we are not in a lockdown, but still for artists, it's a very difficult time and because things are changing all the time and it's so unpredictable and it's hard to plan and to do things. Yeah, I think all of us are feeling the pinch a bit right now. Um, I don't know if it's true or not, but I saw a statistic the other day that um, I think 62% of performers may be leaving the industry because there's just no um, performances, um, live performances right now. But um, but we'll get to that a little bit more later. Let's um, maybe we'll focus on happier times a little bit. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started as a pianist? and what it was like growing up. Yeah, I want just to say one thing about what you just said. We need to be positive. <laughs> Let's yeah. look at statistics, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we will see, we'll see, and we can find a way. And as we said later on, I'm going to speak about that. So briefly about my life. Uh, well, I mean, like many other uh, musicians, I started when I was a kid. I started in Italy. I mean, I'm half Italian and Swiss. But I grew up in Italy. I started like many private lessons. I started in conservatory very early. I was 10 years old. And um, I started like, I was uh, practicing a lot, solo repertoire. I was focusing a lot. Like in Italy, it's a lot of pressure. Like when you go to conservatory, you need to be a big soloist. But then, of course, I always continue to think like it's important to practice and to work on my solo repertoire, but I start opening a little bit, broadening a little bit my mind and trying different things. So I started music when I was 18, which is kind of late actually, but I didn't get an opportunity before because of this mentality. 
and uh, because of a festival. And then um, I graduated, I started doing other experiences and with other musicians. And then I also moved to, to uh, later on to another country, moved to Germany. And this actually really helped me to uh, realize that uh, there was so many opportunities to start working. So with, with singers, for example, other instrumentalists, uh, there was the Department of Contemporary Music. So I discovered a new world <laughs> there. And um, after all, I came back here and finished my second degree um, when I was pretty young, let's say, because in Italy was allowed to take a degree very early, like when you were still in high school. Uh, so I could take my master's degree when I was already uh, 21, I mean, or just 21. Mm. And then I was like, well, what do I do? I, I, I like being in Italy, but I want to go and explore more. And so I decided to go to New York. And this was five years ago now, it was 2015. So I did, of course, like many the applications and I got in school there. I was in New York University and New York, I got to have a lot of experiences, which led me also later on to have more experience in the organizational side. So to work as a promoter first and then later on, like myself creating something new. Can I ask you, how did you choose New York? And were there any other cities or countries that you considered at the time when you were looking to make a change? Well, I um, actually was considered first to go back to Germany because I really loved the experience. And being Swiss myself, I felt my um, culture was close to the German one. And uh, so this was my first thing. But then something happened in my life, which made me realize that maybe uh, another way would have been bad, better for me. So basically, a long story, <laughs> I try to make it a little bit short, is uh, like I had some friends who moved there and uh, they started asking me why you don't want to go to New York as well. And I was like, no, I, I don't think this is something I want to do. But then a lot of coincidence happened in my personal life and knowing people also that we were moving to New York. Also in a sentimental life, I met a person who was moving to New York. And then I met also in Italy, a professor from the New York University who became later on my own professor. So there was a lot of things which made me feel, well, maybe I should really go to New York. So uh, it sounds like things were converging on New York as the most logical destination for you. Yes, I mean, it's just, I, I, I saw that life was giving me signals and I was like, just listening to them and say, well, maybe I should go overseas and not just stay here in Europe. So I did that. You know what? All the, you know, co coincidences happened and then that led you to New York. It's not necessarily you were looking into, I am in the future, I'm going to go to New York. You know, some people have that desire, but not for your case. I, I, I didn't have that strong desire to live in New York either, but things happened and New York was the place for me. Now, but as a European, um, what do you think about doing music in New York and Europe? You know, obviously classical music started in Europe and then Europe is the place to study. That's what I was thought when I was a kid. But now a lot of people come to the West, as in, you know, this continent, not just in the United States, but some people go to Canada to study classical music. So what do you think about that? Well, this is a really good question and actually to reply well to this, I would need probably the entire hour to speak about the differences between Europe and the United States. And there are many. Uh, surely I can say that you can tell that Europe is where classical music comes from. Mm. Um, and uh, there is a deep attention uh, to traditions maybe too much. This is probably the limit sometime in the sense that, um, as I said, I grew up in, a, in an environment in which I was a pianist, I was a soloist, and this was the only way. And this is unrealistic mm -hmm. because 
most of the pianists that cannot reach the, the big career as Marta Argerich or Christian Zimmermann. Mm? Of course, they, they are, you can do concerts like I'm doing, solo concerts, but thinking to just play in the most beautiful theaters, it's, it's not realistic because this is the way it is. So it can be mm, like, it can be good because they prepare you really strongly and actually the requirements when I did the conservatory were really high. Like when I graduated, when I was 18, I had to prepare two hours and a half for repertoire, dividing two days, 24 hours. And I had to do two piano concertos. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, of course, when I ended this, I, I felt like already, you know, that I, I studied a lot, that I had already a lot of repertoire. So this was good. But on the other side, they, they don't really look at the practical life, what to do later on in your life. Things are changing. I'm not saying, but still I can say that, that uh, this is kind of a limit in which they are trying to, to work on. And in the United States, what I felt, I mean, in New York, because I need to speak about New York. Of course, I had concerts all around the United States, but I lived just in New York. So this is my experience is I had the feeling that you, I could experiment, but I could meet people with great idea and uh, trying to do so many interdis interdisciplinary, can I say that, <laughs> things? Interdisciplinary, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sometimes I'm losing my English a little bit, but. Oh, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so um, it, it's a good place to think bigger, to do some very beautiful projects. And so I felt really inspired. And actually it's also easier than also to find some jobs. It's, it's, it's true. It's something to, to say to acknowledge, especially for us pianists in which it's very hard also to find job like pianist in orchestra. And right. So, for example, yeah. if you're a string player, probably it's easier for you in Europe to find a job in orchestra. But if you're a pianist, it's not as easy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly there's only um, only room for so many solo piano careers, right? Mm -hmm. And the rest of us have to be a little bit more inventive and sometimes dabble in different things and have multiple different jobs to make it work. Um, speaking of which, I know you're a very dedicated teacher. Um, can you talk a little bit about your experiences with teaching? Yeah, so I really love teaching, <laughs> as you said. And um, I started not right away. I didn't think when I was a little bit younger to do that. And it happened naturally casually to start to do that when I got to teach in a public school in Italy first. And I was very inexperienced back then, like everyone when start but immediately I felt like it was such a privilege to be able to help the new generation to love music and to appreciate and to not just appreciate but being able to, to play well and master the, the piano so when um, um, I got to New York I got offered along with a scholarship of opportunity to be an adjunct faculty at the NYU I was very happy about that and I really enjoyed the experience of course I was working with college level students so it was different but I really do enjoy working with college students and also younger students uh, as well and right now I have students are every any age any level <laughs> and uh, I'm still maintaining uh, teaching online from Italy at different uh, different times <laughs> because of the time zone and I'm also teaching right now in Italy so because I had to to adapt to the situation so I'm maintaining that and most mostly privately. And uh, yeah, so this is basically what I'm doing. And during this time, so, so I work with my students in not just in piano, but I started, I try to uh, take the experience I took from New York, uh, from what I learned in New York to put in my teaching. So I really pay attention, not just technical repertoire side, but also I try to combine also compositional side. And so I work a lot about composition with my students as well. So I did a little project recently in which all my students for the lockdown had to, pre to prepare their own piece. Even the ones who started like five, six months. That's amazing. Yeah. That's great, yeah. 
Wow. So Shinto, I have a question for you. Uh, you know, I know you a little bit, you know, on the personal level, and I think in certain way, I mean, I have such respect for you and you came here very young, you know, and I can relate. I came here when I was 17. And I think um, one time you mentioned that um, you also didn't come from a musical family. How did you, you know, come up to be so driven, right? What drives you to keep on doing all these things at such a young age? Well, um, this is a very good question as well. I mean, no one in my family is a musician, but anyways, I can tell from my, especially my mother's side, but also some people on my father's side have a love for music. And I anyways come from Italy in which luckily still our grandfathers, not all of them, but some love opera. <laughs> so I grew up uh, with opera, like uh, being a big thing. And so, uh, and I actually loved to, uh, to sing. I wanted actually to be a singer, but I realized very soon I was a better pianist than a singer, so I continued with piano. And um, so what drives me is, I mean, I I started playing piano uh, in a particular moment in my life. You know, I was very young. Uh, it, was, it was a hard moment because of familiar situation. And for me, music was my moment in which I could uh, really enjoy my time with myself and uh, I was simply loving what I was doing and so for my whole life music has been always something for me like this is saving me <laughs> in any situation and it's it's good in and it, in any case uh, even even the worst situation music is there for me so I have this this relationship with with music it's really part of me because of my previous experiences so uh, I just <laughs> I just love music because of that. And then I saw later on how music can influence other people, how can it can be useful for other people, how it can really change life in a not just for our spirit, not just how I was when I was a child, I was thinking music was very good for feeling better, but it mm. can actually really help you in a practical way. So yeah, so I'm really grateful to music and this is what motivates me to go always on and to continue to be a musician and to uh, be, a, let's say, not just a performer, but also a teacher and then also organizer. Yeah, I can see you're very passionate about that. So that's amazing. <laughs> when the hard time comes, you know, I, we always need this uh, passion to drive us forward, right? Thank you. <laughs> so besides me. teaching in New York um, and performing, you said you were organizing um, events. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, actually my first uh, big experience in organizing, I mean, I always had an attitude in a sense, like I liked organizing things, even non-musical things. Mm -hmm. And it's something like I always enjoyed since I was younger. So, so in school, when there was some project at school, I loved doing that. But let's say the most official thing I did was actually when I was moving to New York uh, because as you know um, the, the fees are a lot higher than in European ones and we don't need to worry too much about paying uh, university fees but it was a different story when I had to move to New York so I was very lucky because I found the, the right people and I was able to recognize the first concert series with some of my friends and amazing organizers in Milan, uh, which is one of the main city, cultural city in Italy. And uh, so I organized concert season with my friends and, uh, and I really loved my experience. First, of course, because it show how much friendship can be uh, amazing when it's connected to music. And um, my friends, of course, helped me for to raise money to go to the United States. So this was amazing. But then I also enjoyed also the, the process of organizing everything. And uh, I said that this is an experience I want to, to do it uh, again and continue to do that. So when I was then in New York, I actually didn't search for particular things to do, but I was contacted by um, a professor of mine from Italy who funded an international festival in Italy. And he asked me if I wanted to be the promoter in the United States. And I took this challenge and it actually was very good, very successful because we got many applications from the United States for, to the first edition of this festival. So I continue another year 
and then it came very natural to me when I decide to not me just me because there is another person we decided to create the first international festival ourselves. Which brings me to something else I wanted to talk about, which is the global leaders program that you're yeah. involved with. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yes, um, actually, this is um, okay. I tell you a little bit about the program. So the global leaders program is a program. Uh, which exists since uh, around 10 years uh, in the United States, even if it was funded by the Youth Orchestra of Americas and the main organizers are from Chile. And uh, it's um, very unique because it's uh, for performers, so for musicians who have a um, career as performing artists, but also are really into um, the social impact in the sense that they are looking to organize or they organize events which impact the society. So, and they have every year around 40 court members and there is a selection process which is not easy <laughs> to, to do. And if you are selected, basically you, um, you um, take lessons, actually classes, uh, weekly uh, with uh, renowned universities around the world. Of course, everything is online, even before the pandemic. So it was already online school. And um, they, they, they help you, I mean, to work um, um, for your projects and, and um, they give you the skills that you need to make this project happen. And it's amazing, not just because you have opportunity to have these classes, but also because they gave you the opportunity to meet and actually they have um, a base in, um, in Chile. And in fact, I met all of the court members this January, right before uh, the pandemic. And I was there 20 days and we meet and we share all our ideas. And it was really an amazing moment because you really have a chance to be surrounded by people who really have your same goals and really thinking your same way, so which is not always the case. And then also they give you a lot of um, uh, content. Mm? So in general or around the world of associations, like one very famous El Sistema in, in the in the different states and they are able to, I mean, uh, uh, help you to uh, reach your goals also throughout this, the help of these associations. So I was very lucky to be part of this last year, so the 2020. Uh, unfortunately, I had to leave because, I, it's not I had to leave, I took the decision to leave because, because of the pandemic, I had a project, a big project I wanted for my festival to happen, but it was meant to be in person. So I felt like I could not comply what I really wanted to do. So uh, I decided to put this on hold and I'm actually back right now on it. And so I'm going to continue with my project for this 2021, hoping that this year we can do in person. If not, anyways, I will do it. Right. <laughs> not even this year, I'm just waiting to continue to work on the festival. And yeah, so and I'm very happy to be part of this program. Let's get to the elephant in the room, which is the pandemic, because uh, I know it's been very, it's been difficult for all of us. Um, um, but uh, you have a really interesting story. So you're here living in New York, family is in Italy. And tell us about it. What happened? Well, what happened? It happened like uh... Yeah, I had to make a big, big choice on what to do. So in order to understand better why I decided to go back to Italy, I need to explain a little bit about the situation. So as you probably, many of you know, um, Italy was the country most affected by, by the COVID after China and the first one after China. So uh, I was in New York, it was the end of February, basically, and I was looking at the news and I started, of course, to freak out because I saw that this was happening and nobody knew really what was really going on. 
And uh, I remember thinking that this was happening in a very, very small town in Italy. And I was so surprised. I was like, how is it possible that this is happening in such a small place in Italy? And it's not happening in a big city like New York in which everyone comes from everywhere in the world. So I was just surprised and I was uh, feeling very stressed. And I remember was speaking with uh, my, my roommate and with some friends in New York saying, this is, this is very wrong. <laughs> I don't know if I can say very wrong, but there is uh, absolutely something that I don't understand because uh, probably this virus is already here. I, I'm pretty sure the situation is, is like that. So I started feeling very uncomfortable going around, taking the subway and see. So everything, like nothing was happening and uh, I, I started feeling scared. And mm. so I didn't enjoy anymore going to work. Um, I didn't... Uh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't feel like it was, was right what was happening. So um, anyways, I didn't think back then to leave until I, I, I saw a discussion by the president. It was in the middle of March saying that in two days he would have closed the borders with Europe and people could not come to Europe anymore and um, from Europe, sorry, could not come from Europe anymore. And so I was like, in the beginning, I didn't really react, but then the day after I woke up feeling, okay, I think things are getting bad, even because of course, New York University closed. So mm -hmm. I had to, to do lessons online. Uh, I had to have a concert and we didn't want to, to cancel it. And I was the one pushing to cancel. And I was sure things were going to close very soon. <laughs> they had no other possibility. And I was like, well, it, the president is going to close the borders. I will be blocked here. I, do I want to stay here and not be able to see my students in person? and being alone here in New York, or it's better to stay in Italy with my family. So in less than 24 hours, I bought a ticket and I was on a plane and leaving. And um, I honestly didn't expect to be so long. Uh, I thought like I will be back in one month and one month and a half, <laughs> but actually now it's seven months. I cannot even believe seven months have passed and uh, the, but is that uh, I'm not back in New York simply because I'm not allowed because all the visa for worker right now from Europe are not allowed in the United States. So even if I would like to go back now, I, could, I cannot. And that's our loss, isn't it? Um, yeah. So it just, it makes me think that, um, you know, during that time, it was a very scary time because nobody knew what was going on and we were missing pieces of the story that we have now. Um, maybe you were lucky to get out when you did. What has it been like living in Italy since you got home? Well, um, first, like I think for many people it was like, what's, what's bad? <laughs> what? I, I, was, I was in New York in the middle of so many things. As I said, I was organizing, I mean, not organizing, I was going to perform in a concert. I was doing so many things in New York. And then the day after, I'm in lockdown in Italy, in the middle of nowhere, because really my house, it's in the nature, there is nothing around. Uh, and so I was like, uh, no, <laughs> this is a very strange situation. And so in the, in the first two weeks were very hard, but then... I started doing the activities I told before and I started finding energy. And then I was very, very stressed about my own festival because um, the festival would have been uh, in uh, summer. And I was like, oh, should we go do that? Should we not do that? And so then uh, we decided to cancel it as first reaction because it sounded like there were no other ways. Um, and this was uh, like uh, in, the, um, in, the, in April, but at the end of April, uh, I decided that no, I need to find a way. Uh, I cannot let that all the work I did because you work the whole year <laughs> to make it up in a festival of 10 days, really. So I didn't want this to be thrown away and I said I need to do something. And so I took the advantage of the lockdown because 
the fact I was blocked home, I could not do anything else. And I worked really so many hours all day on making it happen. And in two weeks, the new, a new uh, version of the festival was ready online. And this happened so in the middle of May. Yeah, I think that's really incredible. I mean, now, many months later, we've kind of gotten used to the idea of doing everything musical online. But in the beginning, when you know Zoom wasn't even an established platform and everybody was kind of transitioning and musicians were just standing around with their hands in the air being like, what do we do? Uh, basically, most of the summer festivals were canceled, you know? So I feel like you were really a pioneer in figuring out how to move things online and keep going. I want to know what, what good, like what's the positive of this whole experience? You know, I mean, I, I feel like that's going to be so inspiring for the young younger artists, right? Like we are always trying to drive, drive ourselves and work so hard and and it is hard. It is so hard, you know? And for you, you're still, yeah, so working so much and motivated. So what is the positive of all this experience? Uh, positive, you mean? Yeah, the positive, the positive. experiences. Uh, I mean, of this pandemic, the positive was the festival. Because uh, honestly, I think that we didn't realize back then, but because of this online edition, I think we um, upgraded, <laughs> uh, if I can say that, we, we reached a next level. And how? Because um, this was the challenge to move up on a festival online. I had to change things, okay? They could not happen like normal life. But instead of doing the same thing, we tried to find the opportunities which normally we don't have. For example, one thing I was uh, really happy about the festival was that um, we could include guest artists uh, that usually are so busy with their solo career mm -hmm. that they cannot even accept to participate in a festival as guest artists. So I reached these people really carefully and I asked them if they want to join. I was so happy to hear that all of them say yes. So we had really big names since this is for pianists. I can say that we had Beatrice Rana mm -hmm. as one of our um, guest artists. We had the other two Italian pianists, but are really well known, especially in Europe. One is Filippo Gorino, Federico Colli. It's, it's casual, but they are Italian. Eh? <laughs> the other ones were, were European and from uh, other countries around the world, but the pianists were Italians. And they usually are really busy with their, as I said, with their solo careers. So it was great to have them to inspire the students. And mm -hmm. also, um, you know, I included them um, also the um, series of uh, people speaking about how to be a musician and entrepreneur, how to be a musician and uh, be organizer in general and how to manage the time uh, and doing everything, how to include social impact in music. So I took all the knowledge I acquired in this last year and I tried to put in the festival and I could do this just because it was a line because it was impossible to invite all these people right. to Civitano. Uh, Fibizano is the main town where we do the festival and uh, and so we decided to do online so um, why I'm saying all of this that uh, um, there is always a way and we are extremely lucky to live in this era in which we have internet right now like yeah. you're doing, like you're doing this amazing podcast we could not do that we just need to find the best way to to do this and also you can always find a different opportunity on a personal side. I'm here, I'm in Italy, and it's hard because uh, in Italy in general, it's very hard finding jobs. Mm. And if you find jobs, uh, it's also, it's not really rewarded. <laughs> Let, let's say that. So it's, 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 it's hard. But anyways, what you can do, I'm, I'm applying to as many jobs as possible. And mm. right now I'm applying to conservatory. For example, in Italy, there are many uh, openings. Luckily, there are many openings. Okay. So I'm, I'm also in Europe. So I'm trying to readapt because I, I, I would like to go back to New York, but mm. I'm not sure everything is so unsure right now. So you just need always to search for some plan B but doesn't mean that it's something that you don't want to do. It's just, uh, it's something different. Right. <laughs> you're expecting. And uh, this is 
Yeah, so never, never think, oh, there is no way. There is always a way. <laughs> You're such a fighter. That's very inspiring for so many people, I'm sure. Yeah, that's great. So I hope you will come back soon, right? Is that the plan still? <laughs> yeah, I mean, as I said, I would love to, but it, it, it all depends on how this mm, travel ban is mm. going on. I mean, if it's changing, it's staying the same. I have no idea. About this. So this is why I don't want to just wait. Because mm-hmm. I did actually did this mistake. Taking actions I think is great. Many did this mistake, not just me, uh, about people from other countries who doesn't live anymore in the United States. Mm-hmm. And to just okay, let's wait when dog, but it makes no sense. So this is applying too many jobs. And then I will take a choice. Right. Whenever uh, I get the chance to go back, I will decide then. Amazing. Just keep on taking actions. If there's a dream, <laughs> there is a way, right? So yeah. perfect. Do you have any advice for um, young artists coming up? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yes, I actually have many. And many, I think, they are from just what I just said to, to Clara right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, my advice is, of course, to be a dedicated musician. If this is, of course, uh, your goal if you want to be a musician of course you need to focus on practicing and practicing <laughs> it's the first thing but to be open uh, to to try new experience and not be afraid uh, if you don't feel comfortable it's fine it's fine every time we try something new it's you are never ready <laughs> for real so just go with it and uh, Try also to, um, I know that it's, it's hard if you're shy, but uh, uh, if you see something interesting, uh, don't be afraid to go to the person who think it's organizing this event or to speak with someone you think might be interesting for you to know. The, wor- the worst thing might happen is someone saying no or not really replying to you, but it, it's almost never the case. I learned a lot from my experience that every time you ask something and that you think it's important and it's meaningful, most of the time people reply positively to that. And um, so uh, just present yourself for who you are and uh, really try to see what to explore and see what you like the most. And uh, yeah, trying something new. And uh, both on the performing side, which means with repertoire, explore with repertoire, explore with uh, playing with other people, explore with uh, <laughs> playing in different ensemble, and also with, uh, I don't know, with dancers, um, with uh, artists in general. Um, and also explore in uh, outside the just the performing. And then of course, uh, you, you, everyone is different and will find what's the best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we also recognize your limits yeah? and what are your qualities, which is very important because knowing your limits is important. As I mentioned before, I love doing composition with my students, but if I will see that they reach the level um, in which they need to continue and to go on, I will not fit for that. I will find someone else. So you you need to to be humble also to know everything and how you know uh, these things by doing these things and you you will see then later uh, what's so that suits best for you. So maybe to sum it up, you might say um, experiment freely and try a lot of things, but then focus on your strengths for your career. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, yeah, don't be afraid and meet people and speak with them. <laughs> Even if I know that for, not for everyone is, is easy, but you with practice, it gets easier. I'm just, uh, I'm just curious, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Um, what, what are you working on? You, I see the score in, on yeah. the piano. So what are you working on? Well, that, that actually it's uh, a Chopin waltz because the last student I had was playing a Chopin waltz. It's not, it's not my repertoire right oh, now. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, right now, actually, right now, this is a good question because um, I mm, was planning to have some concert which just got canceled. And uh, this, it's like 
a little bit changing of the plan. So sometimes it's hard for me to find, like for everyone, I think the motivation. So I'm actually in a moment in which I have some repertoire I want to, to work more. Like uh, Schubert, uh, nice, I did uh, a concert this summer on the Bandera Fantasy. I have some mm. Schubert mm. list. Uh, I'm working some list etudes. Uh, Chopin etudes mm. and uh, I wanted to decide right now what to do next about some contemporary new pieces and I was watching out some more mm. about it and but right now yes I'm practicing for example <laughs> sorry I interrupting sometimes and just saying that for fun just for fun uh, but I don't think this is fun <laughs> it's Prokofiev the third concerto I'm just practicing uh. Self. It's uh, the, my favorite. Physical. Yeah, it's it. <laughs> yeah, I've done it before. yeah, it's it's fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just do. But I don't have any performance. Actually, the first performance sh that should happen and it will be in, uh, in February, March. We still are looking for the date. Should be with orchestra, and mm -hmm. so and they gave me freedom for the concerto. So I need to decide <laughs> what to what to play. Let's let's see now. But it's a working process. I don't have uh, a clear idea because of the situation. So sure. I sometimes uh, practice something uh, like um, just because I want to, and then I go nest without focusing too much into it. Mm. I I tend to um, when I don't have a fixed goal to not be um, completely dedicated to, to practice uh, peace until it's completely ready mm. i prefer having a goal i know okay i have that concert and so i need to be prepared for sure. the concert yeah 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 which orchestra are you playing this okay. actually this or is, is that the secret no 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 it's not actually i think the person will be very happy to hear uh, organizers daniel montes is a conductor bolivian conductor and mm. is, is um managing a, a school in honduras uh, victoriano lopez it's it's very nice and they have an orchestra there so okay. it's uh, actually this is connected to the global leaders program actually and I so see. It's That's a project, really cool. so I will go there to um, perform with orchestra, but also I will be teaching the piano students and uh, doing some concert with them. I'm thinking already to do some four ends, six ends things together. So this is uh, the, the plan. It all depends on the pandemic. And actually this would have happened um, already. I don't remember now the date, but should have already happened. Mm. <laughs> So we had to, ah, yes, in September, you see, I, I, I'm forgetting right now because so many things got canceled and sure. we, we postponed and other things are going to be postponed, but still they are not able to provide me any date. So I'm, I'm here waiting for that. Mm. As a woman, as a female professional, so what do you feel the difference between on this continent, currently where I am, in Europe. But even in Europe, you said you studied in Germany. So Germany and Italy are completely different in terms of that gender dynamics, mm. traditional versus modern, but contemporary, right? So what do you think? What, what, what do you think this gender dynamic contrast in the United States and where you are right now, let's say? Wow, this is a very important question and uh, I need carefully to, it's not easy to express carefully what I would like to say. Um, okay, there are differences. Uh, I need to say that as a, uh, an introduction is, um, I always try to fight with my whole life in the sense that I try not to think when I'm I'm working as a professional that there are genders differences, which doesn't mean that there aren't. Of course, I'm not saying that, but I just say that I never find found that there are um, way in which women should act and men should should act. I just be myself. I don't mind if I'm a young woman. I always did what I wanted to do. 
Mm -hmm. And uh, if someone was um, a little bit like uh, talking to you, to me in a sexist way, like uh, you are a woman, well, uh, for me, that person disappeared right away. Sure. So, so um, I, I honestly felt um, always very uh, confident with myself. I never really um, care about that dynamic. This doesn't mean that things didn't happen and happened actually I, I had quite bad experiences and I'm sorry to say sad to say that in Italy especially in Italy and with Italian people because <laughs> something also in the United States happened to me and I was in bad situations and like you know for example in the United States there is this strict way in which uh, professors should not date or have anything with a student hmm. i know it's an uncomfortable topic but in italy this is actually happening or a lot of professors flirt with students and something that's still happening now and i had this experience with more than one professor more than once and it's it's just just bad and unfortunately it happened more in conservatory in the music school than in my school normal school and this is bad and i hear the stories happening all the time i just have a friend who shared with me about it and uh, what happened now to her with a professor in conservatory so and uh, the thing is that if it happens it's very hard to find a way to protect yourself let's say that because there is still not a um, culturally um, a way how to say that uh, this is not okay. People still don't think this is not okay. Um, and uh, in United States, I think this is strong, uh, stronger in the opposite side, in which means that, um, of course, there is a lot of attention to that, and I'm very grateful to that. And so at least these things doesn't happen, let's say. So I'm speaking now when you are a student. This is the risk when, when, when you are a student. Then regarding for a job, I, I need to say I was, as I said, pretty lucky in that, in which means like I always went in my direction. And whenever I saw a situation which, which scared me, it's just, uh, just took away and eliminated the person from, from my life. And, um, you know, and I, I thought about it a lot and I say, how can I, can I help in this way? And, uh, Mm, some people suggest to me, for example, like um, um, I have a competition in my festival for composers, you know, and I could give a prize for women. And I was saying, no, I don't want that simply because, I mean, for sure, there is an amazing woman who is amazing who will deserve a prize. And uh, we, we, we don't need that. I mean, um, I, I, don't, I, I just wish we don't need that. This is my opinion. I know it's maybe unpopular, yeah. but I don't want because to have a special prize because I'm a woman. I want to have a prize because I'm a good composer, and uh, and you and she should deserve that anyways. So we decide to make it anonymous, okay? And to, and uh, of course, one of the winners, uh, three winners, was a woman <laughs> because simply because we, yeah, she was oh. just doing great and uh, we didn't have to do anything to this to happen you know and um, and uh, but I realized that actually there are other countries in the world in which the situation is a lot worse so at the end even if I see that things are uh, not good and can be a lot better and they should better in terms of wage no sorry no wage income being paid fairly and other things uh, there are situations which are worsening around the world. So one of the projects I'm working in right now is trying to um, collaborate with some association uh, like in Afghanistan and in Dubai to bring women in music here. Wow, amazing. Because that's different to the situation. It's sad to say, but just uh, because of the, it's, it's harder for them to get opportunities. So for me, it makes sense to empower them more and to help more of this, this, this woman from this country. For the rest, I just hope <laughs> that, and, and I'm fighting this every day just by showing what I do. And, uh, and 
I could be a man. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that. I just, uh, I just love what I do, and uh, I don't feel like uh, I need to prove anything because I'm a woman. Just myself, and I just wish that everybody would acknowledge that. Salve a tutti, sono la direttrice artistica dell'Ubijana International Music Festival. Come sono un fremito orcano, intorno il criasola. La mamma dai a te senna, la mamma So Chantal, what was the name of your festival again? Lunigiana International Music Festival. It's the name of, um, Lunigiana is the name of the region in Italy, in the North Tuscany, where this is happening. And it's called Lunigiana because we literally go all around the region to do concerts with our students from all around the world and teachers. They perform together and in, in 10 days. And we actually have 18 concerts in 10 days. So it's pretty intense. And it's just amazing because it's all in the nature. Uh, we do concert in the caves, by the castle, in the castle, actually, uh, by the sea, uh, lake by the mountains. So it's, it's just very, very, very beautiful for the audience, but also for the students themselves to perform in these places. And then, of course, they get lessons. And it's not just pianists. Piano and uh, chamber music, too, with string players and um, voice students. So this is basically the festival. <laughs> It sounds absolutely magical. Like And uh, <laughs> the, uh, the link to the website will be in the description for the podcast. So uh, unfortunately, I think that's all the time we have today. We wanted to thank you so much, Chantal, for joining us today. And thank you to our audience for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the thumbs up button down below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram using the links below. If you have feedback for us, please leave it in the comments. Or if you can also email us at thepianopodnyc at gmail.com. Thank you. See you all at the next episode of The Piano Pod. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching. Thank you, Shinsu. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.